rock and roll or rock and roll. We'll have a more intimate conversation, I suppose. I'm going to read. Where was it? Going to read James 2, verses 4 through 9. And then, if we get a chance later, uh, we'll go over 10 through 13. And next week, hopefully, we're going to get into a discussion about uh, faith and works. Are ye, not, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If ye fulfill the royal law, and I find that word interesting, the royal law, According to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are con convinced of the law as transgressors. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, your word provided uh, for us in the book of James, and I also uh, thank you for Jeff Meyer's work in Wisdom for Dissidents. I pray that you would humble me and uh, and help me to uh, expound on this book. I pray that you would be with us, be with our conversation, and uh, help it to be nurturing to all that are here. I pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we are on week two, and the plan originally was to go over this uh, faith and works discussion, but there's a little bit more I want to get into. Uh, uh, I, there's a little bit more I want to cover about um, Wisdom for Dissonance, Chapter 6, I believe it was. So, just a quick review. Um, and this, this quote, I actually, this, it says, Our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is fruitful, uh, sorry, is, is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. And uh, Josiah and my dad pointed out that that's from Mark of the Christian by Francis Schaeffer. I read it this week. It's a very good book. I highly recommend it to anybody. Um, it's, I think it's very useful, especially in our time. Um, one thing I wonder about quite a bit, just if I can make some quick comments here. Um, I, see a lot of, I, I see a lot of Christian content where people are doing this thing called deconstructing or uh, they're becoming ex-evangelicals as, as they're calling it. And... Uh, very distressing to me to see to see this because what they're doing is they're doing a uh, seem, seemingly a full-on rejection of Christian faith and they're doing it along political lines it seems um, but one of the things that causes me to wonder is where are we where are we missing the point where, where are we not reaching those people who are tempted along these lines of deconstruction and I think it's right here 
uh, in this quote. I think, I think a lot of times we focus on our orthodoxy, which orthodoxy is good, and our theology, which knowing theology is good. But how are we? How can we serve? Um, how can we serve the people within our ranks? I think we do it well here at this church and in this church community, bringing people in, and especially with the school and the people that we serve. I think it's a very good thing. But I, I often wonder if we, too, in the evangelical world, are guilty of, of, of uh, continuing this divide along political lines. Um, any thoughts on that? Anyone? Um, just. You haven't heard the term deconstruction. You are either of you familiar? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a much deeper conversation, but it's, it's, a, a lot of the things you'll hear you'll hear from people who are deconstructing is. They get they get into uh, canonicity, if you will, if that's a phrase. They they get into that and they say, well, and they they do it along pretty simple terms, of you know, the, hey, did you know the Bible was written by men? Burn, you know, I got gotcha. <laughs> you, know, and it's like, um, yeah, but I I trust in God's God's leading His people through history, and you can see that throughout history. You know, but they so they they'll go all the way to fully rejecting the Trinity, and things like that. But um, I th- I think it has to do mostly with political um, terminologies, uh, such as like pe- people who are rejecting rejecting the Church because of their support for Donald Trump or th- things like that. That's that's what I've seen. But maybe it's a deeper conversation that we're that I'm I'm not ready to fully expound on. Because I'd have to do a little more research than that, but it's just—it's just something that this quote brought to mind, and it's something I've been thinking about a, a lot this week. Is like, why are so many people leaving the faith and uh, starting what I'll call like leftist churches, where you'll find that they—you'll find that with a lot of these churches, they don't believe in some of the very basic truths that we believe, including including that Jesus was fully God. Um, they, including the resurrection, they reject that. Um, they reject the teaching of the Trinity, and they reject the authority of God's word. It, it's not really, but it's it's a trend. It's a trend that I've been seeing more and more. In these de- deconstructing, deconstructing. A lot of them will call themselves uh, ex-evangelicals. It's it's been around. I, it's the oldest trick in the book, honestly. Half God. Not hath God said, you know, but yeah, ex evangelical. Yeah, it, it is interesting to me, and I actually thought of that this morning. Um, whereas we've, you know, I've grown up here, and I de- I often define myself as a reconstructionist, and so we we construct and we deconstruct, and the hope is that we will reconstruct, you know, yeah. but but it depends on the nature of the 
deconstruct, I, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, reject um, the resurrection, reject the Trinity. And really, when you get down to it, what are they worshiping? Well, it's, they're worshiping their emotions and this thing that they call love. Well, you know, and, you know, but okay, so define that. What is, what is the love you're talking about? Well, it's, they try and jump, you know, into this. Well, it's your relationship with other people and, you know, having respect for everybody. But respecting other people means never actually, you know, respecting them enough to say, hey, uh, there's a pothole right there. Don't, don't fall into that. No, no, man, follow your heart right into the pothole. <laughs> that would be great. And that's not a new concept. And yeah. I think, you know, um, Paul, you probably saw a very vivid, it was, you know, it's in the 60s, maybe the 70s. You know, you saw the iteration of that, you know, for sure. And then John again in the 80s and into the 90s. Same, same thing, just a very different, you know, pick this obscure passage of scripture and then, oh, see, this is why the whole thing is wrong. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. I, lo I love the phraseology in that, that Christianity is the final apologetic. And obviously, you know, true Christianity hinges upon a proper understanding of scripture. Right? Mm -hmm. There seems to be, I mean, it, it, with the word of God and, and the authority of the word of God and the authenticity of it is always under attack, but there definitely seems to be a surge in that regard. If you guys know Dr. James Brown, he's done some research. He's, an, uh, he's incredibly gifted and he's, he's defend, he, he, an obvious defendation of scripture like no one I've ever heard before. I'm not familiar. You're not talking about James White, are you? Is uh, what I say? James Brown. You, is it James oh, White? James White. Sorry. James, yeah, James White. Uh, I'm very familiar with him. He's good friends with uh, Doug Wilson. He's done yeah, some... Right, right, he's right. done some... Uh, work with him um, uh, to Joe's to Joe's point I've been I've been reading a uh, Rush Juni book called uh, by what standard and it's and it's a it's a it's a discussion on uh, Van Til's work but one of the th one of the things he points out is is if you're if you're not going to use the authority of scripture and God as your as your final authority, then you're ultimately making yourself God. Um, and, I, and I highly recommend that book, too. It's called By What Standard? Um, and you probably see that iteration in your high school theology class. Well, probably both of you do. You know, that idea of, all right, so by what standard? Well, I just think. We see that a lot. So I'm going to try to keep this smooth. Um, just some quick reviews of what we were talking about last week. Um, let me get to a different slide. Let's see, let's see. Um, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to make some comments on what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about uh, showing partiality, and the comment that I want to make on that real quick is that is is that we want to we want to see the people in our congreg congregation. We want to see the people in the world at large through the same eyes that um, God sees them. We want to be, and um, Jeff Myers makes this point quite a bit in the book, we want to be using wisdom from above, godly wisdom, and not discerning faces, um, but 
discerning, we, we could actually have quite a bit of talk this week about merit, but d discerning things by merit and how we discern it, how we, excuse me, how we discern things by merit is through godly wisdom. Jeff Myers makes the, uh, he, he makes the distinction between wisdom from above or wisdom from below. You know, and where do we get, where do we get our wisdom to uh, make these judgments? Um, any thoughts, comments there before I move on? Because we are a little behind time. Um, and I just want to really quickly remind you of uh, Lady Justice. This is an important picture. The blindfolded lady who swings a sword, holds the scales of justice, and does not see faces. Um, and I, I, I just want to mention, because it's, it's important this week, this week we had a very good uh, Supreme Court decision where they've, they've uh, basically said we're not going to do affirmative action in colleges, we're going to, uh, we're going to follow a meritocracy. And it was interesting to see some of the comments because you can see the, the way the world frames things. And I, I saw one particular comment where some uh, left-wing liberal person said, uh, said, well, now black people will never be able to, to uh, get, go anywhere in this culture because they can't survive in a culture of merit. And I was like, I was just like, this, this person realized what they just said and how insulting, and, and, and it's amazing how many people go along with that. Like, like ha happily, yeah. I should get, I should get more, uh, more advantages because I'm of a different color. My my race was oppressed 200 years ago. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I couldn't. So I I looked very hard for a good picture of Lady Justice. Um, I couldn't find any with her sword on the Bible. I have heard that before, um, and I do believe I have seen that before. It was actually very hard to find one with her blindfolded, oddly enough, which which traditionally she is blindfolded. Right, and and that's that's very much like one. I mean, he, Jeff doesn't discuss it in his book, but I think that's very much an important topic of our day. Is the state, the state really has one job and one job alone, and that's to administer justice. And yet we keep we keep heaping more and more uh, powers and abilities to the state all the time. All right, how did I get here? James 2, 5 through 7. Let me read it real quick. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But if ye despise the poor, do not the rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? Um, one of the interesting things about these verses, and uh, you can hear it on it was over a year ago that Jeff was doing the Theopolis podcast on this book. Um, and he, he discusses quite a bit 
that this is this is pointing directly to how they would have been seeking to to use their Jewish oppressors, the 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 lost the word the the people who had institutional powers like like the priests uh, in the tabernacle and whatnot like, like the apostle Paul would have originally been they would have been seeking to use those people for power um, to ease their oppression um, and so we have this discussion about the poor man this Matthew twenty five thirty four through forty and I don't have it marked. But I believe that that is where he talks about um, if you do this to the least of these, you are doing it to me. Let me find it. 34. Let's see, 34. 30. Then shall the king say unto them on, this, uh, on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto me, one of, sorry, unto, me, unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. So, We, we, could ha we should have a discussion about this. What, what I think one of the things we should get about this is that all people are image bearers of God, and therefore we, we should, in our treatment of others, um, treat them as we would an image of God. That's why Jesus would say that, you know, what you do to these, you do to me. Um, James Jordan recently made a point that, you know, if you look in, if you look in a lot of the Old Testament stories, we often think it was the Israelites who were saved purely. But you can see, at least some sort of common grace sanctification throughout the Gentile nations in the Old Testament. Um, I think immediately of Job. Um, there are many, there are many references to uh, Edomites and and people like that who um, you can see that they're actually in a covenant of grace, even Nebuchadnezzar. Um, seems to be within a covenant of grace. Does anybody have any comments to add to that? Ruth is Ruth the Moabitess is a good example. Yeah. And Rahab, yeah. Rahab, Rahab actually comes up um, in, I think it's Romans. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting th things to po uh, point out here too, and I have this note here, is uh, this was this uh, Matthew twenty-five verses that I put out there, is right at the tail end 
of the parable of the servant with the talents. And this was the servant who came to the king, and he, said, he asked the king to forgive him and be merciful, and the king forgave him and was merciful to him. Then he went to his fellow servant, and he put his hands on him, and he said, I'm going to throw you to the debtors because you can't pay me. And when the king found out about this, you know, he was very angry, and he threw him um, to the debtors. But we, uh, we should remember that we have been given a lot of mercy. We have been given um, an, extreme, an extremely uh, good position in the kingdom of God. And we were given this freely, not of any merit of our own. And so when we're dealing with people coming into the congregation... You know, we need to we need to remember that. So have this first Corinthians excuse me as I skip around. I don't think we're going to get through all of the notes that I have today, because we're already running to nine twenty six and I'd like to everybody to be able to get their coffee and donuts. Um <coughs> But this 1 Corinthians 1, I think, is pretty poignant to our uh, topic of discussion here. So, 1 Corinthians 19 through 29. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Okay, that's uh, worldly wisdom there. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish of the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching to save them that believe. How far am I going? Twenty nine. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after their wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many nobles are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things, and that's, that's really where I wanted to go. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen. And yea, things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence." So, um, the reason the reason that I added that in here um, is because we can see that that juxtaposition of or, or that um, I don't know if juxtaposition is the word I want to use, but we can see see that differentiation between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. It's one of the things I've often thought of too. Is how, um, of course, the word of God, of course, come, coming here and praying and singing psalms. And thinking that that's a powerful thing. Of course that seems like foolishness to the world. But God says that is wisdom. And 
one of the one of the amazing things to me is when uh, Jesus came down to this world, he didn't go and choose the mightiest. He didn't go and choose the wisest. He went and chose disciples, fishermen. He could have gone to the tabernacle. In fact, he did at some points, but they rejected him. <laughs> you know. Right. In the manner in which even as we purport to be living the Christian life, oftentimes it's at variance with the evident example of the Lord Jesus. And I think that that's probably the point of the Lord. Right. I have, I have, I'm not going to go looking for it. I have a note somewhere in this, in this book while going over this section. And, and it said, I, I was reading it last night, and the note I wrote was, we, we, should, we should approach with pause, with fear and trembling, of, you know, um, when, when discussing these things. Because we, we might think we have everything all together theologically. We might, we might have all the answers. We might be able to expound on Scripture in great ways. But are we able to live that life? Are we, are we able to, um, are we able to be a living gospel to other men that we interact with? You know, something I, something I have to get down on my knees and pray about daily is, is I have to ask, Lord, am I being a li living gospel to the men and women that I work with at the factory? Am I, sh am I showing them mercy? Am I, uh, show, do they see me and see that this is, that this is someone who's different, an alternative to the way of the world. Something I think we should all be thinking about. It's been. It's, it's difficult enough living out the faith, but you gotta have, you gotta have the efficacy of God's corporate gathering. Yeah, I would say it's been limited. Yes, Mrs. West. It seems to me like a common theme in the scriptures that we've been reading and what um, Pastor John said is we need to humble ourselves before God, and with that humility comes worship and praise to God. You know, like. Yes. Joe? 
day, uh, the song came on. Uh, Dan Fogelberg's uh, the leader of the band. Uh, have you guys heard that song? Yeah. And it it really it resonated after I listened to after it came on, and just that main refrain there of um, you know his blood runs through my instruments. You know, like obviously Dan Fogelberg's talking about a guitar, but you know when we think about our um, our lives and our interactions, and you know the the great humility and the pause that you have to have, and you know I think in context of disciplining other people's children mm -hmm. and trying to love them and guide them, and you know sometimes you really you have to be very hard line. Sometimes you know you know the you understand a little bit greater context about a kid, and so you know you choose to be a little more gracious, you know, and you have to kind of. Um, you know, very patiently guide them, but just that idea of being a, uh, a living, you know, kind of uh, representation, you know, um, not to get too weird with it, but just that idea that we do represent so much about God in the way that we, um, you know, treat other people, it really just caused, I, I just spent a lot of time afterwards just kind of thinking about just that idea of how, how is it that Because it is easy to make distinctions. And I, you know, recently somebody, you know, making racist comments about somebody, and, you know, on the face of it, it's just so stupid. Mm. You know, why, why you would do that? But I mean, we do it in so many different ways. You know, and that admonition. Of, um, I think it was C.S. Lewis that talked about no mere mortal. Right? Mm. Who you interact with is just what you see. Um, there's so much more, and they're immortal beings that one day will either be illuminated for glory or they will be doomed to darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing them in, in terms of that, like you, like you said, it's just a lot of humility and a lot of prayer and asking God for heavenly wisdom to see, you know, what your role in this story is. Right. Um, in, in one of the ways, one of the ways I see this and I see like in my own personal uh, self, and I'm going to close this down in just a second, but in my own personal self, how I can be flawed is there's, there's a, I often see things in this just, juxtaposition in the greater world of uh, the right and the left, you know, politically, and um, be, and because of, because of how I see things uh, politically, I uh, you know I could I could have the temptation to say something, and really own that person, and you know and just just uh, really make them look stupid, but. You know, I have to think about that and say, is that, is that godly? Does that come from a godly place? You know, or is there a way that I can reach out to that person and help them? You know, not, not having to win arguments or whatever. But that's, any other final thoughts before I close this down? by Jordan emphasizes Tom singing in uh, actually the manner of observing the Lord's Supper. And I think what I think he's hitting on he's hitting on the defining issue of our day and that the church again I, I don't mean to repeat myself but it has to get the worship right for us to properly understand what what who God is and what his character God and the, and the laws of the fathers. Before we even get to the point of delivering the station, that's another hurdle. 
I'll make, I'll make one point to speak to that. When, when Jesus uh, gave the answer of which is the greatest commandment, he said is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all your soul. And then he said, and the second is like unto it, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And a lot of times we, in, in our culture, and I've, I've heard people say, well, I think it should have been reversed. It should have been love your neighbor as yourself, and then God. And, and my answer to that, my answer to that, and it's been my answer to that for years, is how are you going to love your neighbor as yourself if you cannot love God? You need to love God first, and by loving God first, then you will be better able to love your neighbor as yourself. So, um, With that final thought, I'll close this down so we can get some coffee and donuts. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, this day and... Uh, and I thank you for this uh, opportunity to teach this class. I pray that you would um, guide it as we uh, take it further in the next few weeks. And I also pray that you would be with our covenant renewal worship today. Help it be glorifying and pleasing to you. Help us to humble ourselves before you today. And I pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.